to y'all. I'm glad to be here this morning, uh, particularly because if it was colder, can you imagine how much snow we would have just got? We probably wouldn't be here, seriously. Um, and it, uh, it felt good. The warm-up felt good. But uh, whenever uh, I'm on to preach, I don't want a snow day. I don't want a snow day. I want a snow day any other time, you know, all throughout my life, snow days, woo. I hate snow days on Sundays, you know. It's just like, ah, oh, we got to wait. Uh, we don't get to come together and uh, enjoy each other and worship together. So uh, it, it's proof that God doesn't always just part the clouds to have worship, that there are some scientific laws in na- of nature that he has set in place, and sometimes it snows out the meeting of the saints. Uh, but not so today. Not so today. What we have together brought us here. It's not our self-righteousness, our righteous works. It's our sinfulness. But it's also our salvation. It brought us here together today. Otherwise, we could all stay at home, try to obey God on our own, be be on an island, do it alone, but that's not the plan. What we have together today, if it's worth fighting for, or excuse me, dying for, and it is to God, then it's worth living for, isn't it? And if it's worth living for, it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. But brethren, in this subject this morning, I want to set before you that if we are found to be fighting, let it not be against one another. Let it be against the powers of darkness, the powers that be, the ones that we've been warned about, that sometimes work in us, but it is not we. You and I are not the enemy. And so let us not be found to to fight. I wish we could leave our imperfect state at home and come together in the assembly and and there would be no uh, reason for anyone to to, to give offense to someone else, but, but that doesn't happen, does it? Um, I, I can think of a lot of times where I've, people have offended me in a sense. I'm hard to offend, but like where they've surprised me and I had to, I had to position myself to kind of take it. And I can think of even more times when I've offended other people. I, I really can. I can think of more times that I've offended other people and this is the nature of our, our gatherings. We're, we're still in the sinful flesh. We're still in that nature. So when we come together, this isn't, this isn't about perfection. It's about working together. It's about worshiping together. And in so doing, sometimes we offend each other. So we have to bear with one another. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit has spoken here so clearly, but in other places as well, to tell us, hey, don't forget, you've got to bear with other Christians. I've made mention before in the pulpit of a bumper sticker I've seen. I mean, there's bumper stickers that kind of get under your skin. This one just rubs me. It's the one that says, um, Jesus, please save me from your people. Do you know why that really bugs me, I think? I think it's because there's a tinge of truth to it. There's a tinge of truth to it. There's times when you have probably felt, save me from your people, not just myself. 
There's times when other people have said what they need to say from is the church. And so there was a whole movement back in the 70s and 80s. Jesus, yes, the church, no. People needed this badly. They needed it badly. They needed the why. Why? Why do we bear with one another? Why can't I just have church at home? Why do I have to put up with other people like this? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I mean a lot of reasons. <laughs> and I've necked it down and necked it down and necked it down this morning. Come down, just, let's just stick in the book of Ephesians. And I went, oh no, there's still like 20 some I got here. Let's neck it down some more and some more. And in so doing, I feel like I'm not doing this justice at all. But I think that the, I think that the points that I'm going to make to you out of the book of Ephesians from Paul's argument about why we need to endure one another, to bear with one another, make a very, very strong case that when we come together, there's something bigger than me here that's worth fighting for. There's something bigger than my feelings. There's something bigger than my pride. There's something, something bigger than my, my own self-interest that's worth fighting for, and it's worth fighting together with you for. Let's look at this text more closely, shall we? Uh, actually, uh, Eric, if, if you want to flip it back to the scripture reading, one slide, that would be, well, I can do that, I think, still. Uh, I could probably flip that backwards. Yes, sir. He helped me this morning and threw that one on for the scripture reading. And uh, I was thinking I was going to go forward, not backwards. So uh, if you want to take a look at this, I just want to break this down with you, this, this great statement that demands that we be team Paul says, now this is chapter 4. It's couched right in the middle of the letter. He says, I. Who's I? Chapter 1, verse 1. The apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, I speak to you. By the will of God, I'm going to say this, and I'm an apostle. I've been sent by Jesus to speak God's will into your life, and I... Therefore, therefore, because a lot is at stake, which we'll touch on here in a minute, in this letter I've spelled it out to you, therefore, therefore, because God is glorified in his church and only in the church, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, Paul, the ambassador in chains, the prisoner church, I'm in chains right now in a prison cell, and I'm begging you something. What a position to be in to encourage a bunch of people that might be griping and whining at one another to say, hey, from over here in the dungeon, I've got something to say to you about your complaints. See how he put that in there? This isn't just the bond servant. This is the prisoner. He is in chains in the letter. He references it in another place. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech. I beg you. I urge you because your very souls are at stake. Chapter 5, verse 6. Because the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And I don't want you to be found among them. I beseech you, therefore, you, the church, 
not America, not the whole world here. You, the church in Ephesus, you, the church in Pickerington, I beseech you people, not even our visitors among us, not even those who are coming to see whether to become a Christian today, I'm talking to you, Christians, walk worthy. I beg you, walk worthy. There's a walk that's worthy of the calling to which you're called, and there's a walk, a walk that's unworthy of the calling to which you were called in Jesus. And a worthy walk requires this characteristic toward one another, that you, with all lowliness and gentleness, all, lowly, all you got, with everything you've got, you have to pull it all off the shelf sometimes to bear with one another. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bear with one another in love. You have to put your self-interests below Christ, but you have to go one step further than that to accomplish this, what he's about to say. You have to put your self-interest below others, souls, faith, errors, offenses. You have to put yourself below those. Paul talked about that in the Colossian letter too, in the Philippian letter. Be concerned with not your own interests only, but also of those in the church. With all you got... I'm begging you as a prisoner of the Lord by the will of God to walk worthy with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you remember on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God? These are people who are striving for God, not striving with one another. Uh, these are people who, well, have you ever heard the saying uh, about an athletic team that uh, is expected to win a game? It's theirs to lose. In other words, the other team's the underdog. Hey, this is, this is, this is their game to lose. I've said that as a coach before. This is your game to lose. Meaning, don't choke. Uh, by all means, you should be able to do this. If you just work together out on the quarter of the field or the floor, if you just work together, this game's yours. You've got them outmatched, outplayed, outathleticized, outtalented. You've got the game in the bag. All you've got to do is keep that as opposed to lose it. So we can do this, all right? Just stop for a second. You can bear with no matter what, you can bear with your brethren. No matter how great the offense, you can. And Paul's saying, I'm urging you to do this. All right, what do we mean by bearing with now? Well, this word broken down means to have completed a process of bearing up against. To stand, essentially. To stand through a process 
of having take a few shots on the chin, of, of having a couple of arrows stuck in your heart, maybe a knife stabbed in your back, and you're standing. Because he's calling you up higher and he's calling you to perceive that this is not the work. This is not the work of Christ. It's not the work of your brother or sister. It's the work of Satan working in them. And if you're not careful, you'll forget that you also have probably placed a knife, shot an arrow, and said some things that hurt some people. And you prayed to God that they wouldn't be offended. That is off-ended, falling over, as opposed to standing in spite of you. So let's remember that. Arrows go two ways many times, don't they? Standing strong when a brother or sister's words or actions offend you and helping them to stand is the idea. So rather than taking those uh, in an unprepared fashion and hurling back so that you both fall, somebody has to be bigger. Somebody's got to be bigger. My kids hated the bigger talk. They're, somebody did something to them at school, church, wherever, anybody, uh, mom or dad, you know, they come, they say, this happened and it really, it wasn't my, well, what do we need to do? To, well, I'm, I want to tell you about what they did. Well, I know, but I can't help it sometimes about what they did. All I can do is help you with what, what you can do here and what you did. So how can we be bigger? Ugh. I just want to stick the knife in there and twist it. I don't want to hear about what I can do better. Well, this is the idea that you end up both standing on your feet instead of both falling flat on your face. It's choosing not to retaliate when wronged. It's extending terms of peace to your brother or sister when they're not in a peaceful state of mind. It's rising above the need for recompense. It's not standing down either, by the way. It's not just standing down, oh, well, well just, I'm gonna t I won't do anything about it. doesn't mean you don't do anything about it. Uh, it's, it's not standing off, which I believe to be one of the greatest responses. One of the greatest problems in the church is I just, I'll just stay away from that person. That's not a valid response. The stand off, we say the, words, the phrase standoffish, somebody standoffish. Sometimes we give them reasons. But we're all called not to stand off from one another. And it doesn't mean to stand up against a fight. It means to stand. So why would we go to this great extent, all this trouble really, to remain standing and help someone else stand, especially when they're at fault? Well, I like what uh, Nietzsche wrote about this. He said, he who has a why can bear almost any how. If you've got a reason to stand, then how you do it and however it happened and then who it was and, and where and what, when, if you've got the why, you can bear with any how. That's, pretty, that's a pretty profound statement. Here's the why. Let's take a walk together through some of the whys in the book of Ephesians. Because... Because in chapter 1, in Him we have redemption through His blood. That 
he may gather together in one all things that are in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. There is a grand scheme of redemption that God has, and he wants all men to be saved. He wants everybody to be gathered in one body of people in Christ in the heavens. Man, that's a lot bigger than my petty rufflings, triflings. That's huge. And uh, <laughs> I tell you what, I don't think there's been any problem that I've ever had with someone else to where I can stand face to face with Jesus and say, listen, I know, I know you died for us all, and, and I know you had this dream that you want us all to come together in one place, but, but do you realize how bad that hurt me when? Do you even understand Jesus? I wouldn't want to be trying to make my case to Jesus about unfairness. Would you? I, I can't think of any one thing that has ever happened to me from coming from any other person that I would want to stand and make my case on the day of judgment as to why I was offended and couldn't stand and wasn't walking worthy of the calling and that they certainly are not. I don't want to be found in that position. And I don't think you do either. Uh, but rather we should say, okay, he wants all of us to come home. Look at this uh, passage out of uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. Because you, you've been raised with Him. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but He made you alive and raised you up. Now this is on down in verses 5 and 6. He's raised you up together with Christ. You're not the same person you used to be. You remember? We used to be judgmental. Right? Used to be. We're not anymore because as we've learned in class this morning and at the table this morning, we're to leave judgment to God and be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. So I forfeited my rights to fight for all of my rights and lay them at the feet of God. And he's also, at this time when we died, given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit to strengthen us in the inner man as we see in chapter 3, verse 16. The spirit of peace. We are a work in progress. I know I am. I mean, we say that pretty easily. Oh, I'm a work in progress. Yeah, but, but so are you. So, like, if I can kind of put on that false humility and say I'm a work in progress, but if I really mean it, then, then so are you. And so if you offend me, I've got to say, but God's still working on them. I've said this so many times from the pulpit. Please don't make judgments about me now, today, like you did, maybe even when I came here almost eight years ago now to, to preach. You might have, I probably rubbed you wrong in some way or another pretty quickly, maybe something I said in the pulpit or whatever. That probably happened like, mm, I don't agree, I don't, mm, I'm not sure how he does it. It probably happened. I'm not the same as I was then in some regards, right? I'm trying to let God work on me. And you are too. You are too. So there are people about whom I've cast judgments in the past, and I see them again, maybe after 10, 15 years, and I think of those, th I, I recall that. Oh, this is the person who. 
shame on me. I'm saying that God must have not done any work in that person in that time. I, and I mean, it doesn't have to be eight or ten years. It could be last week. It could be that while you were all struggling to not be offended, that they went home and first repented to God. They left their gift at the altar, went home and repented to God, and perhaps are looking to come back to you and reconcile with you, and you're the one ready to... God's working on us all. He's working on us all. And we're in process. How about this one? Because lost souls are more important than my dislikes and preferences and our differences. Lost souls are. People that are not Christians are, are more important than, not than me per se, but than my self-interest. Ephesians 3.10, this is God's intention for us, the church, that now the manifold, the many folds of the wisdom of God and how He's doing this thing can be unfolded, revealed, and made known by the church. To who? The lost. The sinful world. What is, what is the shining light on the hill? That should not be hidden, hidden under... What's the shining light? Man, it's that, it's that a bunch of sinful people can come together, not just under one roof, but in one spirit, receive a gift from God, make a proclamation until He comes again, but come together in unison and work together, reflect together, to shine God's light together, the diversity that's in the church it, of all types, that we could come, that this one thing, this one thing that, that can unite the world, and I think it's the only thing that can unite the world in true peace, in true, not just, you know, treaties and so forth, but unite the world in true peace of mind is the gospel. And God said, uh, I need to show that to the world through you. That's bigger. That's bigger than me. And it's many-fold. There's many things to see, but one of the greatest is our love for one another, and we can't get that unless we bear with one another's burdens. That's, that's the great thing about it, is that we're not perfect, or people would say, well, when you become a Christian, you become perfect, and then it's easy. No, the beauty of it is that we're still imperfect, that we're works in progress, and the church can still see us working together, and they go, how do they do that? It's because we're all submitting to the same Spirit of our God. We should bear with one another because God is glorified in His church, to whom Paul's directing that statement, and there's only one church. There's only one church. To Him be glory, where, how? Through, through the new atheist movement? through unbelievers, through other religions, not Jesus Christ? Of course not. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, I'm disappointed in you. I'm, I'm kind of tired of getting my feelings hurt. I think I'm just going to skip on over here across town and start a new one. I'm going to start a new body. Well, there might be a good reason. Actually, I have another body somewhere else. That's good to multiply. But why am I doing that? 
Is it because I can't bear with and I'm going to carry that grudge with me over here and try and actually have peace in a new church? Good luck. Maybe I'll jump over to another body over there. I think the grass is greener down the road over here, up north or down south or east, and the other churches of Christ. There's sure some good folk over there. I'm going to go over there because the grass is greener. Good luck. We're just going to run into the same things until we learn to to bear with one another through these things and shine that light through it. Well, bear with one another because of this passage, because peace in our main text today is a gift given by the Holy Spirit and all we've got to do is just keep it. I don't have to create it. I just got to keep it. Like, the reason... I'm here today, and you're here today, is because we've been brought together here. We've been directed by God through Scripture to come together. So, yep, I need to find the local body of Christians. I need to meet together with them. I'm going to come here and do that because we've been given something in common. We've been given peace with God, reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, and His Spirit now has been given to us. Don't forget, I don't create peace, and I don't keep it by my own goodness We've got His Spirit dwelling in us to keep us together. It can be done. It can be done. It's a matter of will, of the mind, and the decision to be obedient to God. Just a couple more. Bear with one another because we need each other. Just a few verses later is this passage that we really hit hard last year. Now see how it comes into play again. Keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace God gave Christians to lead so that they could equip other saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ to build us up. And we've been given gifts to do so. Verse 7, we've been given gifts to do so, to bless one another with a contribution that we can make in the Spirit. And I need yours. I, Matt Thomas needs your gift. He needs your excellence in ministry. I need that. That's why I'm called together here. Not just to worship and go home, of course. Not just to serve and do some good works to go home, but to build each other up while we're together before we leave to go home. And so we need each other in so many ways, but in the context, we need each other's giftedness to be exercised. We signed up for it. We signed up for it. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. I knew that when I was about six years old. I'm supposed to imitate Jesus, probably four. And, and you probably knew that at a, at a young age, or at least when you're a Christian, we're actually supposed to emulate, imitate, follow in His steps, no matter where they lead. Even right in the middle of persecution, sometimes from the brethren. Follow Him wherever He goes. He went into it from His brethren. And walk in love as Christ has loved us. Forgive as Christ forgave. Walk in love as Christ loved us. Imitate God. We signed up for it, church. Last one. Where 
armed for it. <laughs> we're armed with the Spirit of God. We're armed with the Spirit of God who works in us in power in our inner man. Chapter 3, verse 16. Highlight it. <laughs> That's how you're going to do it. And then we're given, we're given armor. We're told, now here's specifically how the Spirit strengthens you. All right, it's going to come through your faith. It's going to come through His righteousness. It's going to come from the truth of God's Word. It's going to come from your going into battle and tackling the right enemy. It's going to come, he said, but be strong in the Lord. That means there's something on you, like Anthony called us to responsibility here. Be strong in the Lord. Make up your mind to be strong, not weak. Make up your mind to do that. Put on the whole armor, not just parts and pieces that you're comfortable with, that fit, that you may be able to stand against... <laughs> this is something. Now here's one of those things I got a fresh take on at this time and I went, wow. To stand against the wiles of the devil. Oh yeah, he's awful. You know, there's, there's some neighbors over here that are drinking and partying and, and then do you see what was going on down in the streets down there and all them riots, all those people, ungodly people? He's still talking to the church. <laughs> this is why it's wily. This is why it's wily. And not just in a funnel assault. Sam Harris's book. I know we're all going to go out and read Sam Harris and the New Atheist's Four Horsemen. They're next works, right? And we're all going to... And Come on. We, we should be aware of frontal assaults. These are coming in through the back door. Satan works through... You to get to me. And he wants to work through me to get to you. And I don't want to let him. Do you? I don't want to let him. This is what's sneaky about him. That's why he's a serpent. Stand against. Recognize that terminology? Stand. Bear with. The wiles of the devil is what you need to stand against. And sometimes it comes in the face of a beloved brother or sister in Christ. Be ready for it. Peter ended his letters, Since you therefore know these things, that some of the struggles you're going to have are going to come through the brethren. In his second letter, third chapter, he said, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that the first and last verses of Ephesians start with grace and end with grace? Be gracious. Receive the grace of God. Be gracious to each other. And we'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So my plea to you this morning, church, and if you're not a Christian, which is equated with being in the church, the Lord adds you when you become a Christian to His body, the church. My plea for you is to keep this command, which is to keep the peace, so that through God's Spirit at work in our inner man, we can not only just bear with one another, oh, I just got to go there and bear with those people. Come on. We got to bear with each other so we can learn how to love one another. Because this is how all men will know that you're my disciples. John 13, 34, and 5. That's how they're going to know. Not just because we bear with each other. Because we love each other. But sometimes we've got to do the first to get to the second. Actually, I should say, bearing with one another is loving one another. Isn't that right? In love we do this.
Church, there's a call to you from our One Another series to bear with one another. There's many more good ones to come from some other brothers. But I want to call you to that. I want to call you to repentance if you need to repent. I want to call you to reconcile with your brothers and sisters if you need to reconcile. Reconcile to God through this if you've had bitterness in your heart. Pray to God about these things and change your mind. Change your actions, of course. But do realize to be ready to stand always against the imperfections of each other. If you're a Christian and you heard these words, I hope that you don't go, oh man, I don't know if I want part of that. Well, um, is there another group out there where things are perfect? I don't care what it is, Kiwanis Club, Sewing Club, whatever. Is there another group where it's all perfect? Of course not. What you can only get here is redemption. What you can only do here is glorify God, your Maker, and walk on into the gates to which He called us all. That's why the church, that's why we bear with one another in love. And so even though this is a, has a negative cast to it, the whole point of it is to keep the peace and to continue to show the love that we're sowing amongst one another every day. God bless you, and I pray that you'll respond to this opportunity to respond if you would like to come forward and ask for prayers to become a Christian while Clay leads us in this song.